Well, whether you're watching in Quakertown, here in Souderton, or wherever you're at watching online, we're so glad you could join us this morning. Like Jen said, my name is Logan. I'm part of our students team here at Calvary, and we're in a series called Connect. We're looking at the different ways that we can connect with God, and as we do that, He shows us different ways we can connect with others, and as we connect with others, we see God, and it's kind of just this cycle, connect with God, connect with others, and that just continues through our entire life. And before we kind of jump into that, I want to ask everyone a question. Have you ever seen a group of people come together in a really powerful and effective way? An example that's been really uh, personal in my life has been seeing what's been happening up at Freefall. If you don't know what Freefall is, they're one of our uh, ministry partners that we support. They're a great organization. They're up in Quakertown. And about 10 or 15 years ago, there was this skate park up in Quakertown that just wasn't in the best of shape. And there was a lot of just vandalism and not good stuff happening around the skate park. And, And the borough actually wanted to close it down. But my friend Dave and his team said, hey, I I think there's some good that can be done through this skate park. And I think if we just take a little time to invest in the skate park and the people, the kids who are there, we can change this place. And Dave and his team went and, and they started and they prayed and they went and they started investing in the kids and just spending time with them. And they prayed some more and and God just started to do amazing things. And they had some, you know, bigger skate park competitions, which I don't know if some of you have helped out with or not. And over the years, we have seen Freefall transform from the skate park, which was about to be shut down to an amazing brand new state of the art skate park was just open. And there's a snack stand up there and there's a, a mechanic shop where people can come get their boards fixed and kids can work on skills in that way. And it's gone from this place that wasn't in the best of shape through this amazing place, which is having such a great positive impact in our community. And I share that story because I know my friend Dave and his team at Freefall would attribute what has happened up there to the power of prayer and the impact that God has had in that place and in their lives and on the people who go there, their lives, through what has happened through their prayer. And so today in our Connect series, we're going to look at prayer as a way that we can actually connect with one another. How do we connect through prayer? So if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5. If you would like a hard copy of a Bible and you don't have one, we would love to give you one. You can go ask the hub in Souderton or in Quakertown after the service. Uh, If you're more of a virtual tech person, you can download the YouVersion app, or you can just read it along with me. Uh, on the screen in a second. And before we do that, just want to give some helpful background on James to explain kind of what exactly uh, we'll be reading here. James is the brother of Jesus, and he is writing this letter to the early Christian church in and the surrounding areas of Jerusalem. They're starting to experience some persecution. The church is starting to scatter a little bit, but there's still a lot of Christians in Jerusalem. And James is challenging and encouraging them with different ways they can live out their faith, no matter what's going on in their lives. And this little section is just one of those ways. So as I said, James chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 13, and we're going to read through verse 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, 
and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So James is saying, hey, if you need something, go talk to God about it. If something good has happened in your life, offer your prayer up to him and sing, sing his praises. Thank him for what's going on. And I think this is, this is what we think prayer is a lot of the time. It's us talking to God. It's me going, hey, I'm struggling with this. I bring it to him. I'm thankful for this. I bring it to him. And James is saying, yes, and prayer is also should be done for each other. He's telling the early Christians, pray for each other. Pray with each other. So he's saying, hey, prayer isn't just this individual thing. It's this thing to be done in community. But after reading this section, there might be some questions that pop up about prayer or some different phrases in there that might be tricky that we might have to wrestle with. And I picked out three questions that I kind of thought of as I was reading this message and preparing it. And these might be good and helpful for us to think about as we go on with our morning here. So the first question I want to start with is, how do I know that my prayer is right? And we're going to start at the end of the passage and loop our way around back to the beginning. Because in verse 16, James says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So how do I know my prayer is right? James goes on to share the story of a man named Elijah. Well before the time of Jesus, Elijah was a prophet. And a prophet was somebody that God appointed to be his messenger to the people. So prophets spoke to the people on behalf of God. And Elijah was a prophet during a very wicked reign. There was a king who, he was not a good king. He was not following the Lord at all. And the people kind of followed suit of this king. They were, they were not, you know, walking with the Lord. A lot of evil things happening, a lot of not good things happening. And Elijah, there wasn't anything, you know, super special about him. He was a human being like you and me, except he didn't walk in those evil ways. He committed his life to searching for what God's will was. And he committed his life to being God's messenger. And he got to know God's heart. And he got to know what God's will was, not just for him, but for the people of Israel that he was serving. And Elijah kind of figured out that, hey, these people and this king, they're going to need a really big wake-up call if they're going to turn back. So he prayed for a three-and-a-half-year famine. I'd say that's a pretty big wake-up call. And it worked. The people were like, what's going on? Oh, we need to turn back. Okay. So they started praying, turned from their evil ways. Again, as the passage said, Elijah prays, the rain comes, crops grow, everything is good again. The people turn back. And Elijah knew God's heart and his will, and that's why he could make these big asks of his God. And the right way to pray is less about saying specific words or praises. And the right way to pray is probably not, hey, this guy cut me off in traffic, so Lord, I hope he gets a flat tire. That's probably not a good thing to pray. But the right way to pray is more about seeking God's heart and his character 
And it's not about trying to change God's will to ours. It's kind of the opposite. It's about trying to discern what God's will is for our lives, seeing where some areas that we need to change in order to make that happen, and inviting God into our hearts so he can do that work of changing us from the inside out so we can align with his will and his plan. So how do I know if my prayer is right? Our prayer is right when we get to know God and his will. And that's actually where our prayer for others starts. It starts by getting to know God and getting to know his will. So let's say we've been doing that. We've been getting to know God, getting to know his will. And I have a friend of mine, we'll call him Bubba. I don't know, Bubba, Bubba, my friend. Bubba's feeling a little under the weather. And I go to the Lord and I say, hey, God, my friend Bubba, he's not feeling too well. Can you help him out, please? And a couple days later, Bubba's still feeling kind of sick. Well, what happens there? What happens if my prayer for my friend Bubba isn't answered in the way I'd like it to be, or I think it should be answered? Well, if we go back to the James passage, he encourages the church leaders and all the members of the church to pray for each other. And the example he uses is if people are sick, it's good to go pray for them. And Anointing them with oil, it was this more symbolic thing than anything. We don't have to get into that too much. What it was really for is the idea is to call God to give attention to this person. Say, Lord, this is a person who, who trusts in you, who follows you, and we just want to lift them up to you and, and just make it known that, that we, we just want you to see them, really. And we probably do the same in many cases. This is probably one of the first things that we pray for, our friends and our family who are going through tough times or have physical needs. And when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray in Matthew, he also says, hey, pray for, give us this day our daily bread. So Jesus is saying, he's agreeing with his brother James. He's saying, hey, it's right. It's a good thing to ask God about our physical needs. But if we just kind of take this verse on the surface level, it might seem that every prayer that we offer up in good faith will be answered in the way we want. And every person that we pray for will be healed. Or I don't know if you've had an experience, you've been flipping through the TV channels one day and you see this preacher on TV and he's just like, oh man, you just, just if something's going on in your life, just have a little more faith and hold out your hands and receive my faith. And oh, hey, by the way, here's my address at the bottom of the screen. Send me a couple dollars so I can have a new private jet and fly around and be cool. But just keep that faith. Okay, like obviously we all know that's not right, right? Like that's not a good thing to be doing. But I know there's been many cases that have been more serious than my hypothetical friend Bubba being sick. I know there's been many cases here at Calvary where people have been seriously sick and people have been prayed for and have been prayed for in earnesty and in good faith. And the Lord hasn't healed them or maybe they haven't been healed in the way that we thought. And this brings us back to our question of why? Or what happens if my prayer for this person is not answered? And why does that happen? And I can't stand up here and pretend that I know the answer to this question, because I don't. And I kind of think that there's a lot of times this question is beyond the scope of our human understanding of the world. But what I can share with you is what I do know. I do know that it's a lie that if that person just had a little more faith, or if you had a little more faith, 
they would have been healed. If anyone says that, that, that's not from the Lord. I do know that God does hear every prayer offered in good faith. I do know that God does see that person who you are praying for and who is going through that really tough time. I do know that God loves and cares for that person more than you could ever possibly know. And I know that God can still work in the lives of the people that we are praying for if we continue to lean in and learn his heart. Those early Christians who were experiencing some more intense persecution, they they went through some stuff. They were going through the thick, thick of it. And despite that, the gospel of Jesus, his good news continued to spread through Jerusalem and in the surrounding areas because prayer for other people is powerful. Prayer for others is a powerful thing. Well, there's one more question that I thought of. James throws in this little bit about, hey, confess your sins to one another and and then your sins will be forgiven. So so what even is this deal with confession? What does that mean? So what does it mean to confess our sins and pray with each other? Well, I don't know what you think of when you hear that word confession. Maybe your mind jumps to a scene from a TV show or a movie where the main character has to go in and confess their sins to some uh, spiritual authority or spiritual figure. Or maybe you yourself come from another faith tradition or you've been at another church where this idea of confession is practiced in a more formalized setting. This isn't my definition, but somebody shared this with me and I thought it was really good. So, One way we can describe confession is getting in line with the way God sees me and my actions. It's recognizing there are maybe areas in our lives that haven't been walking with the Lord, haven't been following his will super closely, but also recognizing that God still loves us, he still sees us as his children, and he invites us to make that change in our lives. And as we pray, this will happen. We'll be changed. We'll grow closer to God. And he may in love reveal some areas to each of us in our lives where maybe we haven't been reflecting his character very well. And I think this is important that James not only addresses physical health in this section, he addresses the spiritual health side and he addresses the spiritual sickness that Jesus comes to cleanse us of. But how is this idea of confession, how is this a practice where we can connect with one another? I think it's something that we can connect with one another when it's done with someone that we know and knows us very well. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say I'm in the grocery store. I'm picking up my chicken for the week. And the Lord just kind of hits me like a ton of bricks. God goes, Logan, you have been doing this and this has not been lining up with my character and this has not been lining up with my will for your life and this needs to change. And let's say I just go, oh man, God, you are so right about this and I just need to change right now. And I finished my grocery shopping and this has been on my mind. And I get up to the cashier and they ask, hi, how are you doing? And instead of saying good, like most people usually do, I go, I am not gonna lie to you, grocery store cashier. I have been struggling with the sin and I go into all these details. And by the end of that, if the cashier is not called security over, they're just gonna go cash or, or, or credit, you know? The grocery store cashier is not equipped to hear my struggles with sin. 
Confession should be done with somebody who knows us and who we know. And it doesn't have to be with this formal process, and it even doesn't necessarily have to be with someone who we think might have a position of higher spiritual authority, whether that's real or, you know, whatever that looks like. It can be done with a peer. It can be done with somebody who knows us well. But confession is also an incredibly vulnerable thing, and it does take a lot of humility. And that's why confession should also be done with a safe person. A person who knows us well enough, who can encourage us, and who can hold us accountable, and who can also keep things that need to be kept confidential, confidential. So confession should be done with a known person and with a safe person. And this is just one example of the many different ways of how prayer not only for others is powerful, but prayer with others is very powerful. Because if we pray with someone who knows us well, and we confess our sins with that way, we'll start to see change in our lives and in that person's life as well. So those are our three questions. Those are kind of answers to those three questions. But what do we do here at Calvary? What's our next step? How can we here at Souderton in Quakertown watching online start to connect with others through prayer? Well, the good news is I've tried to make these as simple as possible. We can connect to praying for others by actually praying for others. I know, it's really easy. But here's the thing. Here's why I say it like, here's why I say it like this. You might be like, yes, thank you. I could have figured that one out on my own. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and at the end of it, they went, hey, I'll be praying for you during the week. And you know that person means it you know they're going to go home and pray for you and pray for you during the week. That has a powerful impact in our lives. Or maybe you have a conversation with a person. I'm sure many of you have had conversations in Souderton out in the atrium with Matt Reed, and he ends most of his conversations. He'll just stop right there and go, hey, let's just pray to the Lord about this. Let's go to the Lord together right now. I know I've had many conversations with him like that, and that's had a powerful impact on my life. And this is something that I personally need to work on, is praying more intentionally for the people who share things with me. And I know reminders can be helpful, so here's what I want all of us to do. I want each of us to to go home, or if you're at home already, grab a piece of paper or a post-it note that's nearby. And I want you to write the name of a person who you will commit to intentionally praying for this week. I want you to take that piece of paper or post-it note and put it in a place where you'll see it every day, maybe on your bathroom mirror or maybe on your front door, a place where you'll see it every day. And pray for that person every time you see that card. And you can pick someone who's going through a tough season right now, and you can pick someone who is struggling with something right now, and you know could use a little kind of extra attention and be set apart in that way. And what I also want you to do is follow up with that person during the week. Now, I don't mean follow up with that person to kind of brag on yourself. You don't need to follow up with that person to go, hey, bro, by the way, I just want to let you know because I'm super spiritual and awesome. I've been praying for you. No, no, no. That's that's not what it means. It's a follow up to encourage that person and to let them know, hey, I love you and God loves you. And I just want to let you know, God's put you on my heart just to lift you up in prayer this week. 
And if there's anything else specific that you need praying for, please let me know. So let's commit to praying for one another. Just pick one person to pray for this week. But going one step beyond that, I think we should all think about what praying with one another looks like during our summer of connection here at Calvary. This is something that my friend Will has taught me a lot about over this past year. I was talking with my friend Will about this time last year, and we were just, you know, observing everything that was going on in the world with COVID being in another bigger wave and just all the unrest that was going on last summer. And my friend Will made the awesome, excellent suggestion to, hey, let's just get together with a group of us guys and let's just pray. Let's just pray for our world. Let's pray for our church community here at Calvary. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray with one another. And Will is an awesome guy, and he is also a morning person, and I um, like my sleep. And so Will suggested that we meet over Zoom on Wednesday mornings, and I was like, okay, I'll try this out. And I'll have to admit there were some mornings where my alarm went off, and I was like, ah, man, it's super early right now. And that's just me being a big baby. That's all it is. But I have to say that the biggest thing that I have seen change— is not necessarily with the world around me. Although I have seen God working in the world and I have seen his faithfulness, and that has absolutely nothing to do with me. Again, I'm not trying to brag and pretend I'm this super spiritual person that I'm not. The biggest change that I've seen is in how God has impacted my life and my heart and what he has taught me about himself. And I have connected on a deeper level with each of those guys. Our friendships have grown in ways that I couldn't even have imagined. And we have shared things with each other and we have learned to encourage each other more deeply. And it's just been such a powerful time to meet together. And again, we've been meeting online because we were in a season where we couldn't meet together and now it's just more convenient for us to meet online. And I have to say, now when my alarm goes off every Wednesday morning, I'm excited, even though it's really early. I'm excited to get up and connect with those guys. And again, I don't say this to brag about myself or any of those guys in that group. I say this because I would highly encourage you to do the same. I would highly encourage you to think about a group of people who you could get together with, even if it's just once or twice over the summer, and pray for each other and with each other. Maybe this is a group of neighbors that you're really close with, or maybe this is family members, or maybe this is people you're in a small group with here at Calvary, or a group that meets at Sunday mornings here at Calvary. I don't know who those people are. Maybe that's a starting point for you is to pray for who are those people who you want to invite into this. But just pick a time and pick a location. It doesn't have to be Wednesday morning, whenever works best for you all. And just start and just get together and start praying. Start by getting to know God. Start by getting to know his character. And I just imagine if we had someone who, who shared a struggle, if we had not only just a network of, of each of us, because I know some of you are absolute prayer warriors uh, at Calvary, but imagine if we had a network of these little prayer groups who, who we could all lift that person up in prayer, hundreds of people individually and in small groups praying for someone. Imagine the impact that that would have in that person's life because prayer for others and with others is powerful. 
Calvary Church, let's commit to doing that this week. Let's commit to praying for and with one another this summer. Let's commit to seeing and watching how God works in our lives as we do that. And I want to end our time today, if if you don't mind, by praying for all of you. And I'm actually going to start by using a prayer that Paul, who was another guy helping James to spread the gospel during that same time, and he wrote a lot of letters like James to early churches. And this was a part of a letter that he wrote to a group of people called the Colossians. So I'm going to start with that and kind of use that to to pray for you in this way, if you don't mind. So let's stand and then let's pray together. So this is actually Paul and one of his contemporaries writing this to the Colossians together. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Lord, that's my prayer for myself, that I would just continue to grow in my knowledge of you, get to know you more. Lord, that's my prayer for Calvary Church, is that all of us in this room would would commit to connecting with you through prayer, to getting to know your will, your heart, your character, what you would have for each of our lives. Lord, change us from the inside out. And as that happens, Lord, point us to people who we can connect with. Point us to people who we can pray for and bring before you in prayer. And Lord, it's, it's a tricky thing because we know prayers get answered not in the ways we would like them sometimes. And Lord, when these tough times happen, just reveal yourself to us in mighty, powerful ways. Reveal to us your character, your heart. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just forget this. We would commit to doing this during this week. Lord, thank you that you hear every prayer and you are with each and every one of us, no matter what we're going through. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen.